Welcome to our Lead to Succeed podcast, where we share leadership and business growth insights, both from our own experiences and that of our guests. We're the hosts. I'm Rebecca Jenkins, founder of Argen, helping companies to grow by finding, gaining and growing the best clients. And I'm Callum, sharing my perspectives from both being an entrepreneur and working in a variety of different companies. Whether you lead a team or a business, you'll find practical tips, inspirational insights and ideas as we discuss a wide range of leadership topics. So with that, here's today's episode. So welcome, Nick, to our Lead to Succeed podcast. We're delighted to have you with us today. And Nick Patrick is chairman and co-founder of Sempre Analytics. And he's an advisor and tech investor. So big welcome, Nick. Would you like to do a very kind of quick intro on yourself? Yes. Hi. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you for having me on today. Um, yeah, I think you've kind of summed up what I do at the moment. Um, yeah, I, I, I basically advise businesses, including the one I founded, uh, Sempra. Um, so that involves sitting on the board, helping the leadership team, the board, uh, grow their businesses. And uh, I love doing it. It's great fun. Awesome. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, Nate. Thanks very much for, for joining us. And I was just looking on your, uh, your LinkedIn page, and obviously you've got quite a lot of experience from investor to advisor to founder and director and things like that. So I'm sure you've had quite a lot of, of varied experience. Um, and I just wanted to like kick off with it with an, with an initial question. What would you say has been your like best experience of, of great leadership? Um, it's more, I guess it's for me, it would probably be more the, the outcome of being a leader. I'm not sure I would necessarily put it down to great leadership. Um, but in, in Sempra after five years of trading successfully and growing each year, we, 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 uh, we basically released, um, what we called a, a culture book. Um, and you can go and find it on the, on the website, but it was just a kind of a look back over five years of what made us us. And because um, we couldn't really articulate it, we were like, well, we know we're good and we pitch well and we win good business. But what, why, why do people choose us? So we, we created this culture book, which was talking to the, uh, which was someone came in, talked to our customers people in the team and pulled this great little book together and it, it I thought it encapsulated what we did really nicely and then we had a fifth birthday party where we got our customers our partners our staff all together um, gave everyone a massive hangover um, the next day but had a really really nice evening where we just got to kind of reflect on we kind of gave the book out then and it was just it was just like the one of the the moments that sticks with me is look we've we've done something really good here we've created a good company that people love working for and people love working with and it it you know the i guess the, the book is the tangible piece of it but it was that that experience of pulling all that together and, and sharing it with everyone and getting them to kind of realize you know the team to realize you know actually a part of something you, you've helped us get here. You, you've helped us grow into what is a, you know, a great little business. Nice. What would you, sorry, Nick, what, what, what would you say is like one of the, I guess, like the biggest um, factors that makes like a culture so good for, for a team to work for? Um, 
culture has to be, for me, culture has to be uh, lived and breathed by the leadership team. So um, you, you see it all too often. You see words on the wall. People put their, their, you know, their values on the wall. It's written on their website, but that means nothing if it's not, if it's not part, or, you know, it's not baked into who you are as a person. Um, so the the most important thing, so you know, everyone wants to be honest, transparent, good people, work hard, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, there's, there's all the kind of variations of those themes that you see in people's values, but it, it only matters and it only works if the leadership team lives them every day and and for that to happen and then to bake into the rest of the business you you, you need to proactively um, kind of build them into the business so that starts with things like the hiring process so make sure you hire on high culture rather than just high talent if someone's high talent but low culture then they you, you still shouldn't hire them you know, and I've made that mistake before, um, and and you have to make tough decisions when you do that. Um, but that's the only way the culture can continue to grow and enhance by can bringing in people that support that. Sorry, next to Crossy, but can I pick up on that point because I think it is sure. a crucial point that you make here that if somebody is not acting and behaving in the way of the culture of the business, there is that tough decision to make. What have you learned from those tough decisions? Um, yeah, so it, 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 it is a tough decision to make, but, and for the, the people involved in those decisions, directly involved, it, it's, it's obviously very unpleasant. And as a leader, it's very difficult to make, but actually every single time that's happened, and it's not very often, but every single time that's happened, that the, there has been a real, um, a, a really positive, uh, kind of feedback that's come from the team um where where it's not just you can see it's not just you that struggled with the individual but actually lots of other people have so you know not not only have they come back you, you've had feedback come back saying that was the right thing to do and i'm glad you did it for whatever reason um but it's also uh it's reinforced the fact that um you're you're living and breathing your values. So in Sempra's example, um, you know, some of the values are give value, don't extract it, uh, treat your customers like friends and your colleagues like family. So, you know, while, whilst um, making a tough decision on someone is, is not necessarily treating them like family, but you're protecting, you know, we were protecting the family, we were protecting who we are and what we do um, when, when someone was, was not, part of part of that so yeah in every situation it's been the right thing to do and it's been well received irrespective of the, the tough circumstances for the individual in my experience nick when i've been in that situation and had to part company with an individual who wasn't behaving in the way of the values the team would say to me what took me so long to make that decision yeah. because it is a painful yeah. and agonizing decision so um, and you do take your time over it, and you. And my experience was you keep hoping that it would change. So that was a lesson I learned for sure. Mm. Yeah, I, I haven't. I've never had that feedback directly, but I suspect that was probably thought as well. To be honest, so um, yeah. 
Nick, moving forward into your into your current role at Sempre, um, what what would you say is like the biggest challenge you have at the moment around around leadership, either for yourself or like kind of other senior members in, in the team? Um, perhaps at the moment, the, the biggest challenge is um, kind of coming out of. It, it's probably quite a, a typical answer, so probably quite cliched, unfortunately. But it's it, it's coming out of you know, a tough year of, of COVID, um, being locked down, working remotely. So the business had to transition um, during that time to working remotely, which was easier for Sempra than most. But um, yeah, I think, I think the, the, the challenge is how do you then um, make sure that you can continue to grow as a business, look after staff. Um, so there's, there's the obvious uh, knock-on impact of not being able to see people day in day out uh, not having other people seeing other people and the, just checking up on each other and making sure everyone's okay you know you, it's much easier to see when you're in an office rather than on calls uh, but it's, it's also how how to um, probably almost the bigger challenge is how we remain connected with clients um, you know, we're in a world of kind of Zoom fatigue nowadays. So how can we keep relevant? How can we, we keep those relationships that we used to have uh, just, you know, through face-to-face -face contact? Because that's a lot of our business was making sure we were in front of customers physically in their office. So I, th I think that's probably been the biggest challenge is make sure that we can transition to that remote world that's going to continue to be primarily re remote for the, the foreseeable future. Um, fortunately, in my role, I'm, I'm not really part of that. So I, I, I just sit as the, the chairman, so I sit on the board. So, so my job is to help um, my CEO and co-founder to make sure that that, that stuff sit, sticks in the business. Um, so it's it's more the advice and coaching, support, going and doing some research, seeing what others are doing, bringing ideas to him so he can create that strategy and 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 deliver it to the management team, who you know, in turn deliver it to the business. But I think it's probably the, the the it's such a change in the way of working. It, it it's something you have to tackle proactively to to really make work. What. Oh. Please go, Karen. No what leadership traits do you think, Nick, are needed for that? Because I'm hearing that um, kind of um, that being said across a number of different companies, we have to think about how we do things differently with our clients. We are, can no longer bump into them into the in the corridor or have those meetings with them. So we have to do things differently. What do you think of the leadership skills that are needed? to be proactive in this area, to actually come up with new ideas. You mentioned research and see what other companies are doing, but how, what do you think is needed from leadership to proactively develop this and get into finding solutions? Um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. Uh, the, the thing is, I'm not, I'm not sure all of, all of that comes from the leadership team. I, I, I think, you need the business to to come up with some of some of those ideas. So, um, 
you know, you're, you're great, you know, if the team works together and you're greater than the sum of the parts. So I think, I think for me, the, the thing is how, how do you, as, as a leadership team, encourage innovation, um, the, the mindset that it's, you know, okay to stick your head above the parapet, you're, it's okay to fail. Um, it's, it's those kind of things, because if, if, if you don't have that and you don't have the team standing up and um, coming up with ideas or even challenging what the leadership team are doing, then you, you don't have a chance of improving on those. And I'm a big fan of kind of fail, far, you know, that kind of fail fast approach. So if it doesn't work, let's make, let's take some learnings from that and go and do it better the next time, but incrementally improve what you do each time. So you need the team to, to play that part. So for me, I think that the, the leadership team have to enable that to happen. So they have to be open. They have to be um, honest with themselves in um, those situations. So if they're putting forward ideas, they need to be able to hear that it might be a rubbish idea um, and the team need to be able to feel comfortable about telling them that. You know, it's, it's, it's those kind of things for me, I think are really important because then you've got the whole business driving to, to fix a problem. Moving forward, Meg, um, be, be quite interested to, curious to hear, hear your thoughts, but do you have any uh, like leaders that you sort of look up to or admire or kind of taken learnings from as you've been growing your own business? Oh, um, um, maybe kind of like in it, people, famous people that other people might know, or perhaps, you know, from other people that you've worked with in, in previous roles in, in, in your career. Yeah. So, I mean, from a, famous perspective I love reading lots of books on all these topics so for me the standout person is Simon Sinek um, the the reason we started Sempra for me was that there was this why problem there was this purpose that we didn't have in the business we we're in before um, and I, I had this need to fix that why so Semper was started on a why, not a what or a how. Um, and, and it kind of evolved from there. And that was really the, the, the kind of business plan, you know, the, the, the clientele need a better service. They're, they're not getting it in the market and we have to fix that. So, you know, the, the, I, I love the, the stuff he talks about. He, you know, he talks about leadership not being a, a title or a right. It's something you earn. So, I, I you know, I, subscribe to an awful lot of what what he says um in terms of within the industry or people i know um gosh there's there's lots for lots of different reasons i think the the, the thing that i i get is um talking to peers talking to other leaders talking to friends who run businesses i, I love finding out how they work what they struggle with, what their challenges are, and learning from from you know what they do. So I, I kind of take take anyone who's in those positions has has got stuff to teach you. And um, I don't think I could pinpoint one or two people, but you know everyone I've talked to, it's just great every time. Even when we spoke a few weeks about Rebecca, you know we we. I picked up on stuff from that so it's it, you know every conversation I, I get stuff from continuous learning and, and uh involvement from, from different people then <laughs> yeah yeah did, 
you want to ask a question off the hand? No, you go. Right. In, in terms of like taking taking on perhaps some of that learning that you've had from, from talking to, to different people in your career, people from uh, like Simon and, and things like that, then they, would you have like three pieces of advice maybe as if you were giving it to like your, your CEO or someone like that, that to, to be like an effective leader, what those sort of traits or, or um, kind of learnings like might be? Um, I've got a lot more than three. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe um, go a bit more than three then. Yeah, there's, 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 there's way, too, way too many podcasts to go into, you know, that we'd need to go into to go through all of them. But um, I, yeah, I, so I think first, first thing, um, and it's something I'm guilty of not doing many a time, is defining what good looks like. Mm. So in everything you do, you, there needs to be an understanding of what does good look like. So if we're hiring someone, what does good look like? So are we hiring someone just because we need someone to fill the role or are we hiring a nine or a 10 out of 10 for that role that's actually going to take that role on and transform it and take it where it needs to go? If we're doing a marketing campaign, what does good look like? What's the output need to be to deem that a success? So how do we measure what we're doing so we can learn from it and do it better next time if we're delivering a strategy what does good look like is it achievable how do we make sure we measure it so i think i think that so even into things like one-to-ones what does good look like for the next two weeks before we meet again how are you going to achieve that having that as a driving force behind what you do is really important in every area of the business um Second for me, probably around driving your decision-making from data. Um, I kind of have to say that based on what Semper Analytics do. Um, but we, we built that business on data. Um, well, and what, and it, it's a cliched response. What I, what I would say is it, it's looking at the right data at the right time in the right areas. So, and, and it shouldn't necessarily overrule your gut instinct but it should help inform your decision um so for me a leadership team should look at i I like to think of it as like a traffic light system of your top 15 kpis across the business if everything's green um then great we don't need to worry but where are the amber and red lights that we need to then go and focus our time on so rather than picking holes in everything all the time if we're within a tolerance range around what we deem to be good then we don't need to worry let's focus on the areas we do and then the right set of kpis for that division or department or that person um, that you can then drill into further so it's running the business on data but having the right summary data and it needs to be uh, it, they, those KPIs need to be lagging and leading. So not just what have we done, but what are we going to do? So have we done is things like cash, revenue, profit, uh, or loss, um, that kind of thing. For me, leading indicators are things like pipeline, um, top of your funnel, the activity meetings you're doing, if, if that's the kind of business you do. So things like that. Um, and so if that gives you the balance of what, what has happened and, and what's going to happen. So I think that's the second point for me is driving your decisions on, on data, particularly financial stuff. Um, and then probably the third thing uh, is, is maybe three 
part one and two is never losing focus on the thing, the two biggest things that I see that limit growth in a business. Um, and this, this isn't necessarily true of every business, but I suspect it's true of 90 plus percent, and that's people and cash. Um, if you don't have enough cash, you can't invest, you can't look after the staff, et cetera, et cetera. So managing cash, so tight credit control um, from the outset, so important. I've been in a business where the CEO's response to managing cash was getting sales team to pull all the deals forward. Um, so he could spend the money. Um, terrible situation for everyone involved and ruined what could have been a great business. So managing your cash really, really tightly and constantly staying on top of it is so important. Um, and then from a people perspective, you know, we're, we're in a world where um, talent is now global. Um, you know, I'm doing work in Canada, for example. Um, COVID's actually made it a lot easier for people to work anywhere. Um, uh, we, we were in a candidate-driven market already coming out of lockdown. Um, so to attract the right talent um, and keep it, you need to really focus on um, how you do that. So hiring process, um, the interviews you do, the onboarding process is just as important as well as making sure that people you hire can develop and achieve their career aspirations within the business. Otherwise you're stuck in the loop of hiring for their replacement every two years, which is obviously very expensive. So I think those three things, define what good looks like, data-driven and focus on those two, you know, make sure you're on top of those two limiting growth factors. Thank you for sharing those. Oh, yeah, all at once. All at once, all, uh, very clear, very succinct, and um, some detail around those as well. One of the things, I mean, we're, we're coming to a close, but one of the things I would like to pick up on that, and you mentioned it in one of those three points, and that is around using your emotion, your gut, in conjunction with data to make a decision. What would you, what advice would you give on that to? Um, to leaders or people in a leadership role to balance the two? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. I think if the two are, if the data and your gut decision, your gut points to the same decision, then that that's clearly very helpful. If, if they are different, then I think it, it needs a set, you need to look in more detail at the data firstly and secondly you probably need a second opinion on what your gut says um, and and so part of that for me is are you is your gut decision based on your personal feelings um, and and therefore is that the wrong decision so are you are you personally motivated in a slightly different way from what the decision should be consciously or unconsciously um so you know you can that your gut decision can change that gut feeling can change if you talk to others and and share um share your concerns or whatever share what what you're thinking uh, and get some kind of objective conversation going on it so for me i think you do that also look at the deeper data you know, the data underlying the data that you're looking at Oh, nice. Lawrence, this is, uh, not Lawrence, sorry, uh, uh, Nick, as we, as we draw to, to close, um, what sort of 
advice if you were to to repeat part of your career or you know re have got another business or whatever it might be what advice would you give your younger self uh around leadership as a whole just to be like a, a more effective leader having having learned more yeah. what, what what might those what might that advice look like um yeah good question i i i think firstly i would um i would the one thing i did not do was invest in myself and and i regret doing that um it it came from a lack of understanding and from just running in and going at a thousand miles an hour constantly for however many years but i don't i don't think that's good enough anymore um i so and by not investing in myself i didn't learn leadership traits i didn't learn to i didn't educate myself I, I learned reactively through failure and mistakes but i didn't go out there and proactively learn so you know it, to, to tell my younger self that now i'd be saying go and learn proper um, business methodologies things like i'm sure you've heard of eos um, I'm quite a big fan of that. It's a really nicely laid out uh, operating system for entrepreneurs. That's why it's called EOS. Um, but, and it covers the whole business. Um, you've got things like the, the scaling up approach, the Rockefeller habits and Vern Harnish. Um, it's, it, it, it doesn't even need to be going to the IOD and doing a, a, a director course or things like that, but learning how a business should, should run at speed me i would i would definitely be teaching my younger self that that is something to get a grip of um so yeah there's, and there's loads of books on the subject there's loads of courses you can do nowadays so um certainly that and i think i think the other thing for me is i didn't really have for for, for too long i didn't have someone i could whilst i talked to and i've mentioned this earlier talked to friends and other associates who are in leadership positions i didn't have someone on a consistent basis i could talk to um as a as a mentor um so someone who doesn't have my back but someone who's going to challenge me and objectively critique my thoughts and my uh, my actions um so i didn't i didn't have that i didn't invest in that either and it would have made me a better leader Far quicker. That's assuming I'm even a good leader now. But it would have made me a better lead, a leader, a long time ago to have someone not connected with the business, just to challenge me personally um, in in what I'm doing. Um, and uh, so I have that now. So when I do advisory work and uh, my investment work, I have my own internal uh, kind of board of directors. So every month when I'm meeting them uh, remotely in a couple of days, so I come back to them and say, here's what's happening, here's what I'm doing. And then they rip it all apart and tell me what I've done wrong and uh, tick me off and I go back with my tail between my legs. But I learn from that and, I, and, and it, it makes me better at what I do. And it's great to have people challenge me and critique me. So I think that would be a really, really big thing for me um, to, to tell my younger self. Good piece of advice there, Nick. And I know you've you've not gone into detail on this um, podcast, but we've talked briefly about where you've learned from things that haven't worked well in the past. So I think that's probably coming through. And what you've just said is your response. 
have somebody that can hold the mirror up to you and see, show you where yeah. you might be going wrong and how to do things better. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, you, you mentioned a, a point there, actually, <clears throat> when I stepped down from operational control in, in Sempra, that was one of those moments. Um, so I was, yeah, I, I'd been running at 1,000 miles an hour for so long, and I, I kind of almost got that seven-year itch type thing. So I was, my investments on the side were gaining momentum, so my interest was being pulled to one side. I was also, you know, in my private life, I was getting divorced. And I, and I think all of those meant that it impacted probably unconsciously on me and how I was leading and inspiring the team around me. And so it looked like I was coasting. And it, so whilst I believed in the growth projections we had, I, it became apparent that I was part of the problem because I wasn't driving the team in the right way. So... You know the the thing there was well okay i kind of want to step out anyway but not, I, I need to to and and to bring in people who do want to do this and are inspired and do have the passion and the energy to do it so you know that that took some time for me to understand that um and kind of take my ego out of the equation and make the decision that's right for the business and that's a big thing for for being a leader as well is you, you, you've got to take your ego out of the equation. So, and that's why, again, that kind of having a mentor, someone that you can um, get challenged from um, is really going to help you because that's really truly is, you know, the enemy of leadership and, and growth. Yeah, I think a great point, you know, sort of like kind of learning and, and kind of evolving as you move forward and having someone who can, I guess, can kind of hold you accountable and, really critique you and, and help you learn as you move forward is yeah definitely like a, a crucial part i guess it's just like sort of mm. personal and self-development as well isn't it yeah um so i guess as we move towards wrapping things up nick we just like to ask our guests uh, a sort of a quick question at the end of it and give them a bit of time back is there anything that you would like to share you're working on in your business or anything you're, you've got going on in, in your personal life perhaps a challenge that you're doing that you would like to share with the audience and um <laughs> yeah i'd just like to share with anyone um uh oh good question um i, I i'm not sure i mean I, I would not unless um you're out in the industry looking for uh, you know a data analytics firm then i can recommend a really really good one um to <laughs> to, to work with um but i i think you know for, for me that leadership is is it, it's not a career um it, it's it's kind of way more than that and it's not a title and and people looking to become you know a leader because it's a title is is the, the wrong way to look at it because it, it, if you're doing it as a um if you're going in as a business owner you, you, there's potentially quite a lot that you will sacrifice to be in that position and you know some of that could be your livelihood um you know i've kind of i've kind of been there and done that and it's and some of that's really not fun but you so you've got to become a leader because you really believe in what you're doing um it, it's it's got to be greater than the title and the and the role and the money that comes with it you know there's got to be that long-term commitment and belief so perhaps that's the, the last thing to share is for, for anyone you know in that position or looking to do it but believe in believe in what you're going into that will see you through the tough times 
and, and we can snip this bit, but you feel free to, to share your, your Scotland ride if you, if you, if you want to share that with, with the audience. <laughs> yeah, you your, yeah, your, okay. No, yeah. no pressure if you want to. Is, you feel oh, that, to that, that just puts even more pressure on me to actually finish the <laughs> race now. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm uh, yeah, so I'm cycling Land's End to John O'Groats with a, with a team uh, from the Advancer Foundation. So they, um, they, they help um, uh, children in poverty in the UK and Africa. And they, we split the, the fundraising between the, the two areas. Um, so Advanta are, are, are paying for us to, to get on the ride. It's hosted by Deloitte since September. And there's a group of 40, 40 and 50 something year old, unfit, fat, um, lazy uh, guys, all of us, none of the girls chose to do it for some reason. Probably they wanted just to see us all fail. So we're all now buying bikes, trying to get fit and uh, cover 110 miles plus per day for nine nine days in a row, That's and camp every night. So it's it's uh, fairly terrifying, um, but it should should be good fun. So if you um, if you want to know what they do, then you can check them out on the website. But it's 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 quite a, quite an interesting uh, interesting September lying in wait for me. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to, to come on our podcast, Nick. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed talking with you and uh, wish, you the best, wish, you, wish you the best of luck with your upcoming ride. Great stuff. Thanks. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear how this podcast has impacted your leadership. And if any of these concepts resonate with you and you'd like to find out more about leadership and business growth, go to the RGM website, rjen.co.uk.